0: Well, uh, hello. Not sure what time of day I'm gonna be posting this, but uh, welcome to the glory in our stories. This is the second episode. My name is Calvin Wayne Pennywell Jr. Um, just to you know keep up with the continuation of uh, this project, I, I figured I will, yes, interview myself. Um, this is this show, well, this 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 segment is basically used to um, give you all an insight to different people's lives. Uh, we're all intertwined in some form or fashion. We all have pre-existing notions or assumptions based off what we experienced in reference to other people's lives and I wanted to create an opportunity for someone to tell their story so that we can create a diverse point of view um, so that we all can have this ability to start gaining sympathy and empathy for each person's journey I plan on... I've actually been coming in contact with several different people and some of them I've approached with this idea, and they said they're they're up for it. Um, there's some that aren't aware <laughs> that I'm going to be asking them, but within maybe five or ten minutes of a conversation, that, uh, there's something about them that intrigues me, something that I didn't know—not just about them, you know—but just didn't know in general. And it's it's very refreshing to hear somebody else's life story because it. It places you even if it's just for a moment in their shoes and you're able to go where they were but obviously um, receiving it secondhand um, does nothing to actually being there when they were undergoing uh, that certain um, aspect of life so I wanted to interview myself so I can go and get myself out of the way So that, you know, people get an idea of who and what I am Um, like I ask Like I plan on asking everyone Uh, who are you? What's your story? Um, my, again, my name is Calvin Wayne Pennywell Jr. Um, I was born in Blytheville, Arkansas Um, it's a very small town And, um Arkansas, it's about maybe, I want to say an hour or two outside of Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, and I think it's about a couple of hours outside of Little Rock. I know a lot of people who are familiar with Arkansas is more familiar with Little Rock than any, any other area. Um, my mom, I was raised by my mom uh, and my two older sisters. Um uh, I guess I give a disclaimer in reference to my father. Um, he, was a, he was a different man back then. Uh, now he's, uh, he's a lot wiser. Uh, he, he would tell you in a heartbeat, man, if I could go back and change some things, I'm certain he would. Um, but during this time in my life, you know, things were different. Um, he wasn't present. Like I said, it was just me and my sisters and my mom. Uh, my mom. Uh, it was in, at the time, in a, an abuse of marriage uh, it involving, you know, my, my dad. And um, she told herself that she didn't want her kids growing up in that environment. It's funny how we could undergo so much um, harm until it starts harming other people. And that's to the, that's that's what we can't take it anymore, especially if you're a parent with three kids. So my, my mom was an educator. She's been teaching since the mid 70s, um, maybe even a little bit earlier than that. So uh, at that time, she was still teaching and she still teaches to this day. I think she has 30. Yeah, she has 30 plus years of education um, under her belt. Uh, She had gotten her doctorate degree about a couple of years ago. And she is one of my uh, greatest inspirations ever in life. And it's because of her, I believe, is a major part of contributing to my sisters and I's, well, our decision to further our education. So I thank thank her immensely for that, for setting that standard. But doing back then... um, in the in the eighties, um, my mom decided to uh, move us to Georgia. Uh, she applied for two different positions on two opposite ends of the country, and Georgia was the first to call. So we came here. Uh, we landed in Thompson, Georgia, uh, around nineteen ninety. I think I was four years old. My uh, sister was maybe six, and I think my older sister was eight. And we were all 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 of us are two years apart. So, whenever one turns an even number, the rest of them turn even numbers and so forth. So, um, but yeah, I went to to school in Warrington, where my mom taught for a very long time. Um, Then I ended up going to Thompson Middle and then Thompson High, and um, after that, um, I waited it back a couple of years before I started decided to go to college, which was then Augusta State University. And when I graduated from Augusta State University, it was George Regent's University. So, but I'm, I'm not going to consume most of your time and attention. I wanted to make this short and sweet, um, but hopefully I can get like the just of of, of who and what I am. Uh, when I was younger, I was a. And when it came to school, I was a class clown, and I I thought that I could gain friends by intentionally being funny. Uh, you know, I did the typical thing—fart, um, making fart noises, and just being disruptive. And um, honestly, I wasn't a uh, a logical class clown. I wasn't. I was doing some. Some dumb things that really didn't reflect much upon my intelligence, which wasn't cool <laughs> well I mean, I was a kid, so i didn't know I didn't know you know what, what I was doing. I just knew that you know since everyone was laughing, obviously it wasn't a problem, and you know i would I would get that that saying oh, he's he's funny, or oh, you know that's Calvin, but uh, my mom made a statement because me being disruptive. Wasn't helping me any. I was I wasn't doing as good as I could have been doing in class. Uh, my, my mom kept getting phone calls from teachers and administrators saying, "Hey, this Calvin is causing a problem, and uh, we just wanted to talk to you, let you know." And it didn't. I never considered the fact that it how it made her look as a profession, as a professional, as an educator, as a teacher. And even as a parent, you know, as a child, you don't consider that thing because as a child, our worlds are are so small. And the only thing that can fit in it are our action figures, ice cream and uh, cartoons like that's 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 the basis of our world at that age. And for me, it was. um, It also included. You know, just just trying to to make make friends, but my mom was getting upset because she, you know, you look at your child. I know one day I will once I have children, but you look at someone and you can you can see the potential that they that they have, the ability to be better than what they are. So my mom pulled me to the side once and she said, "CJ, uh, CJ, by the way, is the nickname." that my mom gave me. I'm actually named after my father. Uh, When I was younger, I I didn't... Well, my mom wanted me to give me my own name, something that I can go by. So she nicknamed me CJ. And people that know me as CJ is my family and primarily people that I went to school with uh, pre-college. So if ever I am somewhere and I hear CJ behind me I immediately know that that is somebody that I went to high school with or, or even um, at a lower grade level but if someone calls me Calvin I know for certain that is somebody from Augusta or somebody on a uh, professional level uh, I, wish I which I'll talk about that later um, but she said CJ I, I want you to understand that and I've told people this so many times because this was the, uh, the pivotal point. In my youth, where I had to change my mentality, she said, "CJ, you need to understand that your classmates are not laughing with you; they're laughing at you." And at that moment, I had I, I, I felt like I was slumping, like I was slumping into myself, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, she's right." Because while I was making a fuss in class, everyone was advancing, everyone was excelling in every area that they were participating in, and, and here I am, just barely making it by. I mean, I never, I never stayed back in, in in any class or any grade. Thankfully, I almost did in ninth grade. I had to take um, my literature class over, and which is funny because I'm a lit major and i got my bachelor's in creative writing and i've that's that's been my passion since day one is writing and here i am failing a lit class and that wasn't good um actually i went to summer school and i passed it and i was like well cj why couldn't you do this in school and i realized because i wasn't focused but um but ever since my mom told me that i changed my mentality completely uh, when i got to high school i became very quiet uh, and secluded, and I became an introvert. I mean, I've never—I've always been an introvert. I've never been the type of person to 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 project my existence, my being into any other conversation or anybody's relation, anybody's friendship or circle of friends. I just—I stayed to myself. I would. This may sound kind of kind of whack, but I was—I was the kid in the corner drawing like I used to draw my hand a lot. It was the uh, it was the concept of just focusing on something that that really intrigued me and that closed everyone out. And that's what that was. And I realized that when people like even now when they discuss their high school experience, I lived outside of one. I was I was just going to school. That's all I remember. I don't remember having fun. That was um it was a time of my life where it was just—it's really a gray area. I don't really remember much. I just remember failing that lit class. I remember doing well in poetry. I do remember my high school—one of my high school lit teachers who loved reading my work, and but she would she would critique it with a red pen. And at that time, I was like, oh my goodness, it's like she's slicing up my my literary work. And it just looked bloody. And after every time I turned something into her, the whole paper just looked mutilated. And I was like, oh my goodness. And that was one of the moments in my life where I realized I wanted to be a better, I wanted to be the best writer I could possibly be. Um, But aside from that, when I got to high school, I changed into a quiet, um, secluded uh, young man. Um, I didn't I didn't play any sports. I did play baseball when I was younger, but I started getting into basketball. And I remember the day that my mom was about to take me to baseball practice, and I cried. It was the last baseball practice I was about to attend. So they meant the the previous baseball practice was the last one that I ever went to. But I I remember crying, and my mom was upset because she paid all this money for gloves and all this other equipment. And I was like, my mom just don't want to do it anymore. And, you know, that was back when I was into Sammy Sosa, you know, Ken Griffey Jr., and um, Mark McGuire. Um, uh, hands down, and maybe I know some people could disagree with me. My favorite athlete to watch as far as a baseball, like a, a batting stance, was Jeff Bagwell. Jeff, Jeff Bagwell would squat and position himself to lower to manipulate his strike zone which would cause the pitcher to throw a certain angle and i I loved his stance because it was his way of saying pitcher you're going to do what i want you to do maybe that was just his natural stance but i I just really admired that aspect of the game but after that i just i lost interest but High school, I was very quiet, and um, I was into drawing, of course. And I wanted to advance my ability as a writer. That was my way of speaking. My mom uh, was telling me uh, years, you know, a while back, telling me that CJ, if it wasn't for your writing, I wouldn't have known what you were going through. I wouldn't have known you went through puberty. You know, she she said she she realized that I was. I was going through puberty. She realized how I felt about my dad and any other aspect of my life. She found out through my writing. Like, I never really, like, directly went to her. Like, nowadays, I can. You know, we're adults now, and I've learned through my writing how to articulate uh, myself. And it was through that that I can just walk up to anyone and just converse without any hesitation and just be myself. So writing has helped me in so many ways so many ways Um, one thing that my mom I like to commend her on is every single morning around 4 maybe 5 o'clock she would always sit in a certain area on the couch and she would always spend time with God now what, what blew my mind about my mom was that my mom did everything she could for her children for me and my my sisters and I my two sisters and me but she placed God above us now my mom sacrificed everything in order for us to eat have clothes on our backs, a place to sleep a place to bathe um, school equipment like calculators and school supplies everything we needed. My mom supplied as a single parent, but even now she always commends God for helping her, and she says, "See, I couldn't, I couldn't have done it without Him." And I, I believe her. I know she couldn't have, because it, that was very stressful for her. But it's because of the time in the morning that my mom spent with God, saying, "Yo, you're first on my priority." It, it reflected upon us. It, it especially reflected upon me. As a man, I was like, "If my mom can put God first, there's no reason why I can't the The man that's gonna be responsible for solidifying the foundation of my household, so I was like yo that's that's what's up so because of that it it ended up filtering throughout all aspects of our lives, so um." God plays a major he, he was setting me God was setting me up this whole entire time Since the day I was born Because he, had a, he has a purpose for me So at this point in my life I just wanted to be a famous writer I wanted to be a writer That a high school classroom Spends time studying For like weeks And I just wanted to be famous um, as, a, as, a, as a literary icon As a literary icon that's 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 what I wanted. I I wanted that fame. So I told myself that if if I ever go to college I'm going uh to major in literature. So at the end of high school, graduated um graduated with uh my, my best friend who's now my brother I call him my brother, um uh, Jesus Ramos. Was Jesus Ramos. Sorry, I keep I wanna say his name wrong. But we met back in uh, seventh grade and um he used to call me um <laughs> i don't I don't mind saying it. my last name is Pennywell, but he started making fun of my last name, and he called me penisless, so every time he would pass me, he'd say, "Hey, penisless," and you know I just grin. and he's just being funny, but um we 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 had grown to know each other i I met his uh wife uh Antoinette, um maybe a year after I met him. Because Antoinette and I were in the same classroom, she sat in the front. She was kind of quiet and, you know, a little, little silly. I remember, I remember the day that I found out that her and Jesus had broken up. Like it was the it was the big talk of the eighth grade hall. Like it was it was crazy. Like everybody was talking about it. It was talking about Jesus. He down there crying, and he's like, "Aunt, what what did you do?" And you know, well, they were kids. We were all kids, so. You know, it happened that way. Uh, when we got to high school, Jesus and I, we would hang out on the weekends, and there was other friends like Charles, um, Arcephus, and Shamarius. Like, we were we were like the Fab five, five. You know, we would just, every weekend, we would just hang out and play basketball and talk about life. And that's one thing I do remember about high school, and, I, and that was the highlight is hanging with those guys because we were all different. But we could sit in the room and for hours and just and just chill, you know. I, I miss that. Uh, of course, we are we're grown. We're, we're adults now. Have separate lives, families, and uh, aspirations that are that causes us to go into different directions. But um, yeah, we I, even to this day. I mean, he's he, you know, he's married with with they married Antoinette and Jesus. They have two beautiful boys, my nephews. Um, they're growing, they're getting bigger every single day and it's, it was just a blessing to, to see to be a part of their lives you know, simultaneously I'm like man, this is, this is wonderful and everyone back then like back in high school, like yo, they're gonna get married they're gonna have kids, like everyone knew that, like when they when they saw that they got married and they saw that they had kids, they were like yo it's, this was bound to happen, this was written, you know, this was God's will obviously, but it's that they've uh, they're a huge part of my life, and I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for them. Um, but on to um, after high school, I I was dating this girl in in Texas, and uh, we met online. You know, back when AOL had chat rooms and stuff like that, and it was you know back when it was a lot easier to get catfished. You know, you didn't really know who you were talking to. So we met, we exchanged pictures, and we ended up meeting each other. Actually. Um, like the last next to the last year and in, in high school we both were in the same grade um both around the same age yeah we were you know, we were the same age um yeah we we dated we actually started dating in 10th grade long distance and we met about a year or two later um i think the summer of the summer of 2004 no sorry wow it's the summer of 2004 I went to go see her, and in Texas, I spent all my graduation money on a Greyhound ticket to go to Arkansas, and then go to Tyler, Texas, and then come back to Georgia. You know, from the outside, it's probably one of the most idiotic things a young person could know, a eighteen uh, year old could do, but it's what I needed. Uh, I got there. Um, we hung we hung out all we hung out during the summer, and things started getting a little rocky. And we actually broke up a week before I was scheduled to leave. So, her mom's really really nice. Uh, she allowed me to stay in one of the rooms in the house, and the room was right next to hers. And for a week, I only I only think her mom knew this at the time, but we she probably knew we we were broken up, and. I still had a week before I left, so I remember about to leave to get on the, tr- the the bus to come back home, and I, and I cried. I could just I couldn't stop crying because I knew that once I left, that was the end. That was the end of our relationship. And I got home. You know, my homeboys were there, and I remember losing twenty pounds before I left. I was two ten. When I got back, I was like 190, maybe even smaller than that. I don't know. I I probably even lost 30 pounds. I don't know. For for a while, I just wasn't eating. I didn't want to do anything because I was devastated. And I started working. Uh, Well, what did I do? Well, I'm trying to think back. Time passed, of course. Uh, maybe a year or two I was working uh, Eventually I started working At, at Target But um, I decided that I wanted to move Back to Arkansas Because I found out that my ex Now this was in the future maybe A couple of years passed And I found out that my ex was going to college In Arkansas So I was like, this is my chance to get closer And try to rekindle a relationship Or, or salvage But the remains of what the the debris of what we had and I moved to Arkansas for about six months and I never got a chance to see her and I tried to get a job couldn't find a job I got I got the cold or I, I got the flu and then I got the cold and like six months and I, I couldn't find anything so I had to come back home and ended up working at um I think I was working at Popeye's, Popeye's Chicken. And I remember quitting the same day I got hired a year later. Like, it was it was a whole bunch of mess. But um, eventually, I told myself that I wanted to go back to school. So, started college in 2007. Really didn't have any money. Packed all my clothes and everything I had. And moved down the street from Augusta University, and I got enrolled. And like I told, like I said before, if I was to go back to school, it was going to be to um, major in literature, and that's what I did. Um, that's when I started trying to date, you know, trying to have talk to several girls at one time, fellas. I advise you not to do it. It's, it's not healthy. I mean, if you, it's okay to have friends, but really pay attention to what you say and how you say it. And the times, uh, just pay attention to your intentions. Because it's true. I heard somebody say this men, fellas, we listen with our eyes. Is it right? Listen with our eyes. Oh, man, I forgot. I forgot this saying. Oh, my goodness. Well, we're intrigued by what we see. A woman is intrigued by what she hears. So just just pay attention to what you're saying. Um, Yeah. At that point, I was was dating so many girls. I can't remember their names. Uh, Had a couple of girlfriends. And then I had uh, one girlfriend whom... um, I honestly thought I was going to marry. It was the first time I ever felt this way. I was 24 years old, and I think she was like 22. Um, this would have to be the dumbest relationship I have ever been in. And the reason why I say this is because, fellas, there's one point, at some point in your life, you're going to be in a relationship where you're making continuous dumb decisions one after the other they're like bullets that you keep shooting yourself with thinking that you're bulletproof bulletproof and you're not you're not and if somebody was to ask me if i could go back and change that to be honest i wouldn't because if it wasn't for that experience i wouldn't be the man that i am today um She's actually the uh, The woman that I, I lost my virginity to And um, Things just Got out of hand And next thing you know um, I mean this, this is a sign in itself We were dating And a year before we broke up Officially I told myself That it was, I was not meant to be with her A year before we broke up So that meant that I was in denial For over 365 days Denial Deliberately Not advancing Yeah So um, The worst Thing that came out of that was The fact one day she told me that uh, she was pregnant And uh, my initial Response uh, Like most fellas Who are scared and backed in a corner Is that um and I was like, man, we need to, we need to get rid of this. And I always told myself that if ever I get in that situation, that I would never abort a child, but that's what I said. And, um, it hurt her. It hurt her a lot. Um, but, uh, I tried to justify not doing it, but, uh, she was wanting, she wanted to do it anyway. So, um, she we, she gathered the gathered the money. I took her to the clinic. It's one of the worst days of my life. Uh, I've shared this story before, um, but for those who were not aware, it's yeah. It's it was May eleventh, two thousand eleven. It was on a Wednesday. I think it was a Wednesday, and I, I hate it. I hate that experience. It's fellows and even ladies. I don't. I don't commend anybody going through that. Um, you know I can go all day about my stance on uh, pro life or pro choice, but don't automatically assume that it's the woman just the woman that's hurting when that happens uh, hopefully that if the man really cares, he'd understand that a life was lost due to his irresponsibility and um that's that's what happened and Things weren't the same between us because of that. I was blaming her. I was blaming the government. I was like, How could you allow this to happen? All this other stuff. But I never took accountability for my decision. And the moment I did that, that's when my eyes were open. I remember standing staring in the in the mirror and I noticed I was wearing earrings. I ain't gotten earrings when I was 20 years old because of a girl. I asked her, do you think I should get some earrings? And she said, I think you look cute. She said, I think you look kind of cute with them. So I got them. And, yeah, yeah. So um, I looked in the mirror, and I said, I don't, I, don't like, I don't like this version of myself. So I took the earrings out, and I've never put them back in. My um, I, I, I haven't put earrings in my ear, and um, going on eight years, the holes are still there, but I I can't put them in because it just reminds me of what I used to be, and I realized I had to grow up. This this was a dangerous time in my life. I I had aborted a child. I I was um, twenty four hundred dollars behind on my rent. And I had someone help me out with that. I made some really bad financial decisions. Um, I had dropped classes. And um, I was in college for seven years as an undergrad, seven years. But I always tell people that it took me um, four years to get my degree but it took me seven to become a man. And the reason why I say that was because I had to change. I had to change. And in that process, I told God, I said, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of being old CJ. I wanna be I wanna be Calvin. I wanna be a grown man. I wanna I wanna man up, straighten my back for once. So in the process of doing it, my writing started changing because I was finding things out, finding out things about myself that I didn't know before. And um, I started writing, going in more more in depth with my relationship with my dad. Um, I can count the many a times I've seen them probably on one hand um, in person. And I mean, we, we communicate. We still talk. I went to go see him in Louisiana with my sister a couple of years ago, maybe two or three years ago, and um, it was good to see him. I, I do feel blessed when I'm in his presence because I see where I get some of my mannerisms from, especially. I mean, we look just alike, and um, not just my bio, our biological similarities, but our characteristics that we we uh, we mirror, and it's 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 funny how you can mimic. Someone uh, to a T, and not have lived with them, and it's just this organic connection that we have, and um, I, I love them, and I I wish that uh, most parents, most households did have fathers who were, at the at a younger age, were willing to just stay and commit, not just to the uh, the family, but to the marriage, and just and just build from that because. Not only do the parents miss out, but the kids do too. And, um, yeah. So, um, but I, within my college career, my undergrad career, I realized that I, I wanted to do more than writing. That selfish mentality of just wanting to be a famous writer had to go out of the window. So in the process of doing that, I realized that, um, That I, I just I just wanted to I wanted to be better, I wanted to be better than what I was before, so I decided to ask myself why do I write? Why do I write? And I realized that I wanted to I write to be therapeutic. I write to help people. I write to utilize this gift that God gave me. Like it's it's a fire. It, it, and that's one thing a lot of pastors. Um, the analogy that they use, I know Tony, Dr. Tony Evans, he mentioned that. Your passion is a fire that just won't be, it, it won't get, it can never be put out. It stays aflame. And that, and it's been staying aflame since as long as I can remember. And I've taken courses with many professors that have um, challenged me to go deeper and deeper and deeper. Not for the sake of literary aesthetics, that it's just something beautiful to read, but just to give you an insight into my spirit, and maybe even yours, you know, maybe even reveal something about you that you didn't know, that you've been that's been dormant for like forever, and that's what writing has done to me. And I remember after uh, going back after high school, the one person I mean, I've told this to many people, the one person that influenced me to change my writing was Common, the rapper. Like when I when I heard his music i was like this brother raps the way i think i think this way and he raps that way and i'm like dude like this and it was and ever since then i've been listening to his music and that's when i got really introduced into hip hop like my, my my the first rapper that i ever liked like admired, and i thought he was cool was mace back when he was like with bad boy and puff daddy and i was like man this I was like, man, this guy cool. And then I heard it coming after high school and I was like, yo, man, this he, he's talking about some real some some inner conflicts. And then from that point on I was introduced to a lot of um hip hop artists that really inspired me to um write in in different um avenues, you know. Um, I started paying attention more to my culture. And I started paying attention to the fact that I am a black male on the surface. I mentioned this with my friends that, you know, I for, for years, a race to me was secondary. When you meet someone, you know, you can tell if they're a jerk or not in, in just five minutes despite their race or even their their ethnicity. So... Anyway, at the end of college, undergrad, um, I found myself um, trying to figure out what would be the next step. And a lot of my professors were like, you know, you should go into teaching or go into an education. And I I know for certain that I should be in the education field. But the one-on-one interaction with people, which is why I enjoy doing uh, these segments in you know, partaking of these future episodes with various people is because I get the opportunity to to just see and figure out who somebody is, not what they are, but who they are. And it has lead, led me here to where I am today. I'm a very passionate young man who's not afraid to be emotional, very confident about myself because this is the way God made me. This is the way. This is what he saw me as when I was sitting in my classrooms acting you know, acting up. It didn't worry him because he um he saw me at my greatest in my greatest at, the, at my greatest upgrade, my greatest form. That's how he always saw me. And even now he sees me at my very best, which I'm not at yet. So He's always looking into the future He's always looking at the present and the past Which makes him omniscient Um, One thing that really changed my life Was God's mercy I'm not trying to throw uh, Christianity on people And say you have to believe If not you're going to hell No, 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 no I'm just speaking from my personal experience How my life was changed After the abortion. I felt like I was the character in a book or a movie that God could have killed off a long time ago, but He didn't. He didn't. God has allowed me to live this long, and if He's going to allow me to live till I'm 40, 50, whatever, as long as I fulfill His will and do what He asked me to do and and love Him. Um, No, I'm not perfect, I've made mistakes. I'm making mistakes, and I will make more. My kids, my wife, whoever they we be, will know um, the mistakes that I make. They they're going to be there in the midst of it. They may even be the re- recipients of them, and um, it, it it may whatever I do may ricochet and harm them. And it's never going to be my intention. But I am not perfect. But I've learned from my father's lack of presence. I've learned from my mother's strength endurance her, her warm spirit to to just love and try to love everyone else for who they are. Uh what I plan on doing in the future is going to back to school to get my masters in uh educational counseling. I recently watched 13 Reasons Why. If you haven't seen it on Netflix, it's really good. It's kind of depressing. But it's really good, it touches on a lot of issues uh, in the school system amongst children, uh, teenagers and what they deal with amongst their peers and how that affects their lives individually and collectively. And I realized that I would, I would love to be in the mix of that and offer kids the opportunity to just express themselves and help them realize that they have the potential and the ability the ability to fulfill their to fulfill their purpose. And they may not be getting that encouragement at home, but I would love to give it to them one on one. Just to remind them of how valuable they are simply because they can breathe. They can breathe. They have life in them. And they have so much room to advance and do better, and exhale, and excel in what they aspire to do. So, I've reached a certain point during this interview where it's got kind of lengthy. I didn't mean for it to be this long. I do apologize. Um, uh, look forward to hearing uh, different um, point of views from different people about their specific journey from their past to where they are now. Uh, you might end up hearing something that you weren't prepared for. Uh, something that maybe even mirrors what you've been through, and hopefully um, that is this—that's the case from this episode. Um, of course, there's so much more a part of my life that you, you're not aware of. Uh, the people closest are to me are, and um, I do look forward to exchanging words with with many of you, and hopefully present the opportunity to present you to the world because not everyone knows you. I'm not even certain if every obviously not all what five, six billion people will listen to this. But hopefully those who need some sense of encouragement will get something out of this. Um I, I enjoy Uh, doing this. I look forward to to doing uh, more. I personally want to congratulate the class of 2017. I know a few friends who graduated recently, and I want to congratulate you on that, on your sacrifices and your achievement. And I wish you nothing but joy, nothing but joy. So um, thank you all for listening. Thank you for your time. Um, I will be announcing uh, the next episode. I plan on doing episodes every two weeks, which means by about twice a month, um, depending on how this thing picks up. Maybe even be a lot more frequent, uh, depending on the people that I get in contact with. So um, uh, God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Take care of yourself uh, for those who will be listening to this before Sunday. Have a happy Mother's Day um, you can, if your mother's alive, tell them how you feel. Tell them how much you appreciate them. Give them a hug. Give them a kiss. Give them a flower. Give them a gift card. Give them whatever. Just let them know that you love them and let them know how much they appreciate it. You all have a wonderful day. Uh, Tune in again. Uh, This is The Glory in Our Stories. This is episode two. Uh, This is Calvin Pinauel Jr., a.k.a. CJ. Sign it off.